Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. From the newsroom at Eater, I'm Amanda Clute. And I'm Daniel Janine. And this is Eater's Digest, a show about all things food and dining. With a little help from the biggest names in the world of food and the journalists here at Eater, we try to understand what's happening right now in kitchens, restaurants, and dining rooms around the world. Today on the show, Eater editors are divulging their favorite restaurant moves, like how to get the table you want at a restaurant and why you should never order coffee at brunch. We are also going to get into the biggest stories of the week, from the return of Popeye's to Four Loco Hard Seltzer. chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah. The famous chicken sandwich. It's crazy now because you can just be like, the Popeyes is back and everyone knows what you're talking (laughs) about. They would know. Yes, true. Let's get into it. Yeah, we're diving in. So, Daniel, Janine, we have a column on Eater called The Move. I love it very much. It's where editors across the great network of Eater Mm. contribute little tidbits, little things, little hacks Oftentimes counterintuitive, sometimes bizarre, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, just very fun. Yeah. And we want to bring them on Little to share. Little ways they improve their food-related experiences. Yes. Yes. So uh, let's dive into some of the best moves. Okay. James Park, tell us, what is your move? So my move is to take your frozen chicken pot pie <laughs> and eat it upside down. Why? What? Okay. <laughs> so my problem when it comes to eating that frozen like chicken pot pie mm-hmm. is that you never get the perfect ratio between the filling and the top crust and the bottom crust. In my opinion, that perfect buy for me is a little bit of crust in between sandwiched with the filling. Mm. But if you're just eating it, scooping out, you never get that kind of pleasuring bite. You don't get enough crust? You don't get, because like if you do that, uh, the crust gets really, really soggy because while you're eating that, you're kind of like scratching it Mm. uh, and all the filling in the liquid is kind of making the bottom crust soggier as you're eating it. Mm -hmm. And also it's really hot, so you're going to like kind of have to let it cool down and during the process, it's kind of sogging up the bottom crust, which I don't want. So the way that I discovered was that in high school, I literally <laughs> ate this every single day oh my after God. school so you're an before expert. dinner. So I just came up with all different kinds of ways of like, what would be the best kind, or how could I elevate mm. the snack? So and it's to flip it, so flip the, it pre it or was post a very, baking. It was a very yeah. accidental. So like, it's post microwave. Okay. So just to make it easier, I just flipped it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cute. Because it's flipped out of the teen can that's served in that, I was able to slice it in a perfect ratio. That makes and sense. And when I lifted, basically what 
it essentially becomes is the bottom crust becomes the top crust mm-hmm. because you flipped it. So the bottom crust is not soggy; it's sort of crispy, and the top crust is like thicker than the bottom crust, so it can actually hold up to the filling. So you are able to, so you can really have the perfect slice where the filling becomes a sandwich between two flaky. Uh, crust. And you did get a lot of backlash when we yeah, published this. Yeah, I even what? got an email from Australia, like someone from Australia. Oh, this capital was, of meat uh, pies. Yeah, this was mm-hmm. something. Mm. So a lot of people. So the response was very like half and half. Like people okay. were like blown away. They're like, oh my god, why, why have I never thought about that? <laughs> what I saw, which I thought was super cute, was they kept tagging me on Instagram after like flipping the pie, wow. and I'm like, oh, like I'm eating pie this way. I'm like, I really love it. Yeah. And I mean, I really felt like I added something to the, to discourse. the community. You really yeah. did. And I will add that there's one of my favorite pie cookbooks, Four and Twenty Blackbirds. Mm. They have a recipe for an upside down blueberry pie. So it's the Ooh, same concept yeah. where mm. if you really like this bottom crust and don't want it to get yeah. soggy, flip it over no, flip and then that. it's the top. He'd flip it and he'd have it the right way up. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you. All right, Hillary Dixler Canavan, what is your move? My move is to just ask for the table you want. Whoa. Love it. Explain. Basically, I believe that as long as you are asking in a spirit of politeness in a dining room that has like plenty of empty tables, you should absolutely feel free to ask if it's possible to move to the table that you would prefer. The answer yeah. might well be no, and that's totally fine. But right. as long as you're asking, like there's no harm in asking is sort of mm-hmm. what I mean. No, I mean, it makes so much sense because like sometimes you want one table for the appetizers and one table for your main <laughs> and then move somewhere else for dessert. Hillary, can I tell you, I did this this morning thinking of you. How did it go? It went really well. I went to a breakfast meeting and there were going to be two of us. And the tables for two were really close to other people Mm. eating. And then there was a giant table set up for like six people. Yeah. And I said, can I just take that big table? Obviously, like that seems kind of rude to take the big table when you're just two. And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Because they knew that six people weren't going to come in. Mm. And it was great. I got to spread out. We had a great meeting. Okay. My issue with the table that big for two people, though is depending on how well you know the other person, you want to sit close enough that you can still hear each other, but you want to like sit too close. No, you know? we just sat we just sat across from each other. It's just that we had privacy versus being slammed in next to the other two people. Anyway. Yeah. What's your biggest pull? Have you ever gotten like the chef's table or something when you've just been meant to sit at a little <laughs> booth? Uh no, but I think the most memorable instance of this, which I I think really I had in mind when I wrote up this specific Mm. edition of the move was that when I went to Le Cuckoo, um, which I had been, you know, really like waiting and hoping to go to, we were sat, it was, I went for lunch with my colleague Monica and we were sat in this super dark kind of corner of the larger back dining room when there was all these tables open in the beautiful front dining room that I had seen pictures of that were near a window that was like very pretty and light. And one of my you know, biggest pet peeves is like, I really don't like sitting in the dark when it's light out. You know, I asked the server, I was like, you know, we got seated and I asked, I was like, hey, would it be at all possible for us to sit at one of those tables over there in the front? And he basically said like, let me check. And the, and the answer came back that, you know, we had to wait until we were finished with our appetizers, but then we could move. And I was just like, great, awesome, <laughs> beautiful. Great, I yeah. love that. Why do you think that people 
don't typically ask for the table they want. You think people walk into a restaurant and assume what they're given is the only possible table that they could have? Yeah. And honestly, like oftentimes that's true. It's just that unless you ask, you you can't be sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some restaurants have very flexible seating plans. Sometimes there's a no-show. Maybe you can take their table. Or I think as often happens if you dine very early in the evening, like as long as you are kind of pledged to be done by a certain time, you can sit wherever you want. Mm. I just think also, I think a lot of people are very bashful about asking what they want for generally. Yes. And so, yeah, I think there's, it takes a certain like chutzpah, except that you're asking for something very polite and very low stakes because when you get your answer, like you will take it correctly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and once you start doing this, you can apply it to other situations in your life, like oh, hotel yeah. rooms. It builds the confidence. Yeah, totally. Hillary, amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So, Sonia, what is your move? My move is always get coffee before you go to brunch. Okay, explain. So, coffee at restaurants is often bad. And when you go there and you get a meal and you wait for a long time and they serve you coffee that has been sitting around for a long time or it's not warm or it's just pulled poorly if it's espresso, it just kind of puts you in a bad mood for the rest of your day. You're already grumpy. Maybe you're hungover. I don't know if we can say hungover on this podcast. Yeah, we'll bleep it. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely bleep hungover. Mm-hmm. And so if you get coffee before, then you've kind of set yourself up for a really nice experience. If you know you're going to be waiting for a long time, you could even put your name down, go get coffee, come back, mm. and you could just kind of have this lovely start to your day instead of being grumpy about bad coffee. Here's something I'll Whoa. add. Because <laughs> I was thinking... I didn't really relate to this at first, but then I Mm. thought about how many times I've been to a breakfast situation where it takes a while to get my coffee, and it's like when you really need a drink when you're out at night, Yep. Mm. and you're like, I just need my goddamn drink. If they could just give me my drink, I would ignore all the rest of these service flaws. Yeah. Sometimes you just need your coffee to move on with your morning. Well, because it's exciting. It's a drug. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 it's a drug. And get your drugs before you have to be dining with people. Right. Sometimes a lot of people, pre-game. people you haven't seen in a long time, pre-game your brunch by getting mm-hmm. coffee somewhere else. Yeah. That's the move. Uh, what has some of the backlash been? Some of the backlash has come from chefs who think that the coffee at the restaurants is very good. That might be true. Yes, in their defense, yes. Many restaurants have great coffee. Of course. Um, many restaurants are attached to coffee shops. Maybe Many restaurants you know, also do really good breakfast programs. Not all restaurants. Not mm-hmm. all restaurants. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, though, that a coffee shop is going to do coffee better than a restaurant because a restaurant is not a coffee shop. Oftentimes that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's fun to do something, I think, to expand on the move a little bit. Uh, Don't look at a 45-minute wait at a brunch place as shit, we have to wait 45 minutes to get our food. Like, this That's an to go opportunity to socialize with the person or whoever, even if you're on your own, with yourself uh, <laughs> in a different locale before doing the thing you're excited about. Nothing makes me happier than showing up two hours early to a Batman movie that I'm really <laughs> excited to see because that line waiting is like, I know at the end of this, there is a light, which is not the case in, in, in every aspect of life. I don't know if I can relate to that yeah. entirely. You can like pre, pre-select your seats and you stuff. You can now. now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but restaurants have good coffee. Now, what so I don't what know. other 
backlash have you seen? <laughs> I think somebody called me elitist because yeah. I mentioned itineraries in the piece. So <laughs> if I'm traveling, you know, I, I work in food, so I'm mm. often interested in going to a lot of different places. <laughs> sure. And so if you know that you're going to be waiting around for brunch, you can kind of plan it so that you can stop at a place for coffee on your way, and then you can hit two of the restaurants that you want to go to instead of just hitting one for a yeah. meal. So maybe you get a pastry, maybe you just mm-hmm. get coffee, and then you have this like lovely brunch somewhere else. So I don't think a lot of people can relate to that if they mm. don't plan their trips around food the way yeah. that I do and I think many people that we know tend to do. So mm-hmm. that was an interesting perspective, so although I don't think I'm elitist. response <laughs> to the claim that you're elitist is... <laughs> yes, <laughs> false. <laughs> can I bring up another caveat? And that is like diner coffee, obviously bad. I mean, typically bad, right? It's a separate kind Depending of Depending on your taste. I, sure. have a t- I have a thought on this. and But it's part of the meal that it's like you get coffee and then it's like, sweetheart, can I get you a refill? You know? And yeah. then like that is a component of the diner experience. I don't think people go to diners for brunch. I think they go oh, to diners for okay. breakfast. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that that is separate. I, I did get that point, I think, including from you yesterday and also from no. a few other people. Also, okay. but you can still get your diner coffee. In addition to your good coffee. Yeah, have two coffees. That's a lot. That's No, because yeah. diner coffee, I love diner coffee, and it's usually not super strong and not super great. And I, well, I mean, I drink it weak. Oof, I harsh. No, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. But I could also drink a whole coffee on my way to the diner and Ooh. then also have coffee right. at the diner. Okay, if we're going to talk about elitist things, have you had a delicious brunch experience where they do have an amazing cold brew and they bring you like an amazing house-made oat milk on the side and you just pour that oat milk in and watch the fat just like slowly drip through the dark black coffee and it's like, wow, I'm excited to have this while eating my pancakes? That sounds beautiful, but this is a move that I have actually like put into place in my life. So okay. so mm-hmm. I, I don't often order coffee yet brunch anymore oh. because I am oh. really getting in advance. No, so she doesn't. Yeah. I, I would double. I would double down. Sometimes I can consume so much coffee though. Yeah. So I'm elitist in that. <laughs> I've trained myself in this way. Right. I don't think it's elitist to drink two cups of coffee. No. You're no. right. You're right. Sonia, I love this move. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be in the presence of such elites here. <laughs> Up next, Megan McCarran. Megan, what is this breakfast related move that you have for us? My move is that I like to get up really early on the weekend, at least by weekend standards, hop in the car and drive somewhere that would usually be, you know, a really long time in traffic. Um, But on a Saturday or Sunday morning, you know, every road is clear and just go have breakfast. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I used to live in Texas and both those places, big car culture. And also there's a lot of really wonderful places to eat that are scattered all around where I live. And on a Wednesday afternoon, I'm probably not going to want to drive from where I live in Culver City all the way down to Long Beach, where there's a really easy freeway that you can take there, but it could take up to an hour, hour and a half in traffic, right? But if I get up on Saturday morning at 8.30, Suddenly, something that would take an hour and a half, you could do in maybe half an hour. You know, Mm. should American infrastructure have been created this way? No. But since this is the world we're living in, this is a great way to experience (laughs) how a freeway is actually supposed to work. And so one Saturday Mm. morning recently, 
I drove down to a really cool new bakery in Long Beach, um, picked up a couple loaves of sourdough, got there early enough to get a special um, little flatbread pizza they were making. And then also Long Beach has a really lovely dog beach. So we took my dog to the beach. Um, So those are the kind of like nice leisurely dreamy kind of breakfast you can have when you're taking advantage of the fact that everyone else is maybe still asleep. Right. Love that. So basically the move is to go on tiny little breakfast vacations on the weekend when there is no traffic, but use the food as an anchor and a destination. Yes, I love that. You know, another thing I like to do is go out to the San Gabriel Valley in the mornings and eat all the exciting breakfast options out there. There's a bakery, a Taiwanese bakery called Huge Tree Pastry, I think it is, or it's Huge Tree Bakery. And there is something that just does feel like a tiny vacation when you are out for breakfast in the morning, you're getting, you know, food that is usually you would never have for breakfast um, during the week because it's too far away. And you have this sense of discovery and leisure and um, you still have the full weekend day ahead of you. It's just, yeah, it is like a tiny vacation in a way that like a lunch or even dinner trip doesn't feel in quite the same way. No, you get back from a lunch and your day is basically done. Yes, exactly. And then you're like, ah, now I have to go back to work. It's like when you go to a 4 p.m. movie and you get out at 6.30 and you're like, that was my entire day. Well, right. And especially now when it gets dark so early, it's like another, Ugh. you know, I, I, even in California, it still gets dark early, which can be a bummer, even if it's, you know, warmer out. And I think, yeah, especially if, you know, short days get you down, it's a good way to enjoy even more of the sunshine in the morning. And for me, it actually makes a lot of sense because I need deadlines for things and the traffic getting heavy again is enough reason to get out of bed early to, to make it to the place and back. Yeah. And sometimes also the breakfast move is great because the other deadline is it could be something really popular that runs out. I first like, you know, developed this methodology eating barbecue in Texas. My favorite thing to do in Austin was to get up really early and drive out to Snow's, uh, which is in, you know, a pretty rural part of Texas. It's only open on Saturday and Sunday. I think currently it's rated the number one barbecue in Texas, but it's always sort of between one and five. Yeah, so you have to get up early. You have to get out there early. You get in line. You get the brisket. You get a big styrofoam container of potato salad. And, you know, the pit master, whoever's working the pits that day, like, they maybe bring you a Lone Star at 10 in the morning, and you are definitely on vacation then for that moment, right? Mm. (laughs) Love that. And then you have the rest of the day ahead of you to feel awful. (laughs) Or accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, guys. Uh, Amanda, those were some those were some moves. Those know? were some moves. Can I tell you I some think some I like better than others? The I'll tell best you that. part of the move column, yeah, is to be sitting in a room seeing a move that a coworker has written and just being like, nah, like, <laughs> nah, <laughs> super, no, thanks. no, don't need that at all. Yeah, <laughs> and then some of them you're like, of course. Yeah. Hillary's move has changed my life. Yeah. Because I am one of those people that does not ask for things when I should. And now I do ask for better hotel rooms, ask for better tables. I'm just much more assertive. Mm -hmm. In the spirit of this, what is your move when it comes to sending food back? Oof. I will rarely send food back. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I I can't. No. 
No, I'm not it's good not at that. worth My it. My mother is great Ooh, at it. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's gotten a lot of coupons from like Applebee's for sending back her burgers. Nice. And then you get them for like holidays and stuff. And she's like, I got you $25 in Applebee's. And it's I like, mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my move, Daniel, yeah. is a little off the beaten track. Yeah, it's, I would say before we even get into it, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily a move, but I love it. I okay, think it's amazing. I don't, I don't have a move. Yeah, it's a move. I don't really it's have a move. a move. It's a move. It's a smart move. It's but a I'm philosophy. Tell you, I'm going to tell you what I do yeah. sometimes when I go to restaurants related to what I do when I book hotels. It's about setting expectations. My move is always cross-reference photos from Yelp and Instagram. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Why? So if I'm trying to decide between a few different restaurants, I'm going to look at the Instagram page okay. and be like, oh, this looks pretty good. I'm, I'm really excited. Elegant. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Beautiful ooh, lighting. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. then I'll go to Yelp because Yelp is where the reality lives. And yeah. that's what's going to show me. What is this dish actually going to look like in the dark restaurant when I'm looking at yeah. it? Is it going to be appetizing? Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing with TripAdvisor and hotel websites. Right. So you're going to go to a hotel. You look at the hotel website. You're like, this looks like a great place. Then you go to TripAdvisor. Yeah. And that's where you see like the pubic hair in the bathroom Ooh, and gross. like this weird lighting. In the mm-hmm. So it's the truth lives between the two. Yeah. And that's what I think about with restaurants. Right. And so if I'm getting really excited about a place or if I'm not sure if I want to go or not, I might look at Yelp and be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm fine waiting. It's kind of feel how I feel about the world. The truth lives somewhere between Disney and documentaries. Yeah. Oftentimes, sure. <laughs> I thought your move mm-hmm. was when there was an expensive restaurant yeah. that you wanted to go to. I will sometimes do that too. You look at the Yelp page yeah. because then you will see. And it's not because Yelpers are intentionally trying to take ugly photos. They're just kind of, of not the Instagram generation. So no, they just, no. They're just like super shiny and ooh, just bad. Bad like, lighting. Like Tack Room. Yeah. This Thomas like Keller restaurant. Over the lens. Thomas Keller restaurant open in Hudson Yards. I didn't really want to go, but I was curious. It's very, very expensive. So if I want to just like keep that feeling at bay, yeah, I just go to the Yelp page, look at all the ugly photos of the food, <laughs> and think like, you know what? I'm good. I'm yeah. good waiting until like maybe some more people go and tell me that it's really good or until someone invites me to go Ooh, and to pay for me. That sounds like an open invitation. I mean, if some rich friend wants to take me to Tack Room, <laughs> this is not an invitation to Tack Room. I'm not going to take a comp, but no. rich friends, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the move. I think uh, I think it speaks more. It, it, it's also an interesting way of looking at the way that like people now, because of the drive to succeed on Instagram, mm-hmm. are willing to make things look better than they actually do in real life because yeah. that's going to get you more attention on Instagram. Sure. Whereas on Yelp, it's actually not really as much about the photos, and yeah. you're just trying to capture like the real life. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You just yeah. want to get the photo on there as and, reference. of course. And it's older people. And, what something yeah. looks like isn't representative if it tastes good or not, but no. I do want to see what oh, I'm getting myself into. Yeah, what's an example? Sometimes what we were looking at one and there was just like like a medium rare duck or something and it just like was a photo in black and white and the <laughs> duck was in like the left hand corner. It was probably Tack Rim or Crown Shy because those <laughs> yeah. were two expensive restaurants. I was like, do I really want to spend the money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that the general tip here is if there's something luxurious that you really want to do, go read some bad reviews because mm-hmm. that'll hold you off for a bit. Sure. Yeah. If you have a move, record it as a voice memo, send it on in to digest at eater.com and we will run some of our favorites on the show. We'll be right back with the biggest stories of the week.
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's time for the biggest stories of the week. We are very structured here. We separate them with the sound of a ding. It's an audio cue. It sounds something like this. Uh, let's just uh, let's just hop right in. Daniel, the Popeyes chicken sandwich is back. Yeah, it's back. It's back. It it came. It was popular. Everyone freaked out. It went away. And on the third day, it rose again. And it rose again, as promised. Yep. And the world went crazy. It turned again. the stoners out of bed again. Ooh, did that work? Not no, really. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> They came back. They yeah. trolled Chick-fil-A once again because that worked the first time around. Yeah. Well, they got lucky. Chick-fil-A tweeted something saying, Happy National Sandwich Day. Yeah. And it was on a Sunday. I feel bad about that. And Popeye's was like, well, yeah, because for whatever Chick-fil-A is, I appreciate sticking to the moral code. I mean, it's I don't we don't love them, obviously, but the fact that they say we're closed on Sundays, obviously a huge day. I like that they stick to that. Sure. I mean, yeah. That's a nice yeah. element. Uh-huh. But they were like, Happy National Sandwich Day. Sandwich Day. Come get a sandwich. <laughs> and Popeyes was like, Ooh, everything okay here? Like and then Chick-fil-A was like, sorry, like we didn't yeah, realize. They had to apologize because National Sandwich Day is on a Sunday. National Sandwich Day, by the way, not a real thing. All these fake food holidays, so annoying. Are any of them real to you? No. National Muffin Day. Real to you? No, you know what? They all remind me of in college when someone has like a calendar that's like reason to drink calendar. And it's like, exactly. Yeah, National Candle Day or whatever. It's like German Independence Day or whatever. Never mind. So, anyway, uh, (laughs) there was already um, someone murdered over the chicken sandwich. Well, a fight fight, fight broke out when someone was cutting the line. Yeah. To order the sandwich. Yeah. Uh, it's been all over like celebrity Instagrams and Twitter. It's everywhere. Again, do you think it will last this time? The, f- the fervor? Can I tell you something? Yeah. I tried one uh-huh. just recently, yeah. hot from the kitchen. Yeah. And I hadn't had one yet. Uh huh. And I think it's that good. You think it's that good? I think it's that good. Wow. Yeah. So you think it's here to stay? You think the Listen. hype is here to stay? Like, will there still be lines? And internet frenzy for this in 30 days. No, I mean, there can't be. Okay. Because it's a release. You know, like even the greatest movie of, ah, it's different because you can't eat a movie all the time. (laughs) But like, what are things that have been, like Shake Shack. Shake Shack's burger is still, I mean. Well, and there's so many of them. Yeah. There's so many Popeyes. Yeah. The scarcity and the line was leading to the whole thing. But I think the product is there. Great. Yeah. I think it is the best. It's definitely the best 
fast food chicken sandwich that I've ever taken a bite of. And it, even I saved it for a friend. And then 30, you, and then 30 45 it? minutes later, I, I ate half of it, kept it in the bag, brought it to a locker at a gym, steamed, <laughs> went to dinner, gave it to him. He tried it at the table in secret, and he was still blown away. Blown away. And this is a chicken wow. sandwich expert. Okay. An expert. Blown well, away. Well, there you have it, folks. So the sandwich it's is back. back. It's here to stay. Janine loves it. Janine loves it. And as we've talked about, it is the biggest, it seems to be the biggest food release that we've seen in, in some time. So I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see if they can maintain the consistency and how easy the thing becomes to acquire. Because here's the difference. When I think of Popeyes, I don't think of a fast food joint that has a line traditionally, right? Mm -hmm. When I think of Chick-fil-A and when I think of Shake Shack, I think you have to build some time into going to those places because they're going to have a line. So maybe this just makes Popeyes a line place. Like Mm -hmm. maybe now you have to expect a line going to Popeyes. And I, I feel like although subtle is a shift in my perception of them. Love it. Good for them. Good for us. Well, not really. No. Just them. Yeah. Well, we get a chicken sandwich. If you wait. Yeah. All right. Uh, Amanda, there is a kid named Jason in Minnesota. Really? Full stop. End of story. <laughs> who has been driving south to another state, a whole other state, Wow. to buy Krispy Kremes. Because Minnesota doesn't have Krispy Kreme? Minnesota has not had Krispy Kreme for 11 years. Jeez. To buy Krispy Kreme, drive them on, back up 270 miles. Oh, my God. To sell them on his college campus. They're not going to be as good. Well, pause. Okay. Um, his local paper wrote a story about his entrepreneurial efforts. Oof. Yeah. The, his local paper, the Twin Cities Pioneer Press, ran a story detailing his, his entrepreneurial efforts, at which point, and then what the story did kind of well, uh-huh. whatever, cr- he gets a call from Krispy Kreme. Of course. Yeah. Telling him, hey, Jason. This is a no-go, my friend. Yeah. And uh, so he he said, um, you know, Krispy Kreme had asked him to stop his efforts, and this was, uh, he understood, and it was time in his life when he was going to move on. Uh-huh. The internet got a hold of this, Uh-oh. very angry against Krispy Kreme. Oh, no. Yeah, let the boy make some money, they oh, said. okay. Krispy Kreme relents. Immediately. Really? Yeah, flopped like a pancake. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And, uh, and and reached out to Jason, gave him 500 dozen donuts to sell, and said, like, we're excited to start working with Jason as a retail partner. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, we'll set you up with a franchise. There, so, well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, there is a ramen shop, a ramen shop near me called okay. Pudo. Uh-huh. Um, you know, at one point, it was the greatest ramen I'd ever had. Yeah. I really wanted to bring some home for my doorman, Max. Okay. And uh, Apudo does not let you take their product out of the shop. Mm-hmm. I'm sure millions of restaurants do this because they don't believe that their product travels well. Sure. They don't want someone who is not having exactly what they you control. You think that's why Krispy Kreme wasn't allowing it? It wasn't, just, it wasn't for product quality. It's because you can't just resell somebody's stuff. <laughs> at a profit? Yeah. If you took a Pudo, even if they did allow takeout, and then you were reselling it at the NYU yeah, campus, right. they would send you a cease and desist. You can't just sell somebody else's thing. Yeah. No, you definitely can't. But also- at profit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way he was driving. You know, sure. He was really putting in the <laughs> he wasn't, real work. He wasn't Ugh. doing it to spread the love of Krispy Kreme. He was doing it to make some money. 
right? Yeah, Jason? but no, because no, he was smiley and he was in it as the donut guy uh, on his campus. All right, I, I'm, I was thinking. Well, did I he take I was, a loss here? Ooh, so what's funny? Uh-huh. I thought I was going to be the more conservative on the story. Turns out you're the more conservative on this story, and I'm all gung ho yes. defending Jason. Yeah, uh, did he take a? No, he didn't take a loss. But like, you know how much he was making? What uh, two hundred bucks? Maybe you doesn't, know from doesn't matter. He's an adult, right? I am not defending him. Okay, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying. I, but I also think product quality. <laughs> you know, you're right. It's so not a part of it. I read this story being like, good on Krispy Kreme for not wanting for maintaining quality yeah. of the donuts. Well, their plant wasn't close enough. They don't want you know Minnesota yeah, that's, deciding that's that why. their caliber, the caliber of their donut, wasn't as high as they <laughs> as they put out. That's not why. You're right. But that's why we do these segments because you know, frankly, I go in with Sometimes one opinion. It's good to just talk things out yeah but um well good on jason i like the chutzpah if you're if you were krispy kreme and you i think he's taking 20 dozen or something every time he does it Uh which he paid full price for uh would you even bother telling him to stop doing this yeah really if it got it got like media attention yeah i think it's I mean, we've covered trademark before right absolutely you gotta police this stuff but he's he's not he's, he's selling krispy kreme yeah I'm, yeah, he could can, he could do anything to it. Sure. There's no control there. Yeah. Uh, he could turn it into a giant business. Yeah. Just because he's mm. moving like a dozen in product versus like, I don't know, thousands. I don't think he could turn it into a giant business. There is such a hard cap. When do you draw the line and send the letter to Jason? When it stops being a collegiate business. Is when I'm when I would colleges are huge. You can make tons of I know, money but on there's campus. There's something nice about it because I don't want to no. push. I don't want to push this example. This is not grade school. I this know. is college. I don't want to push this example on you, but it's not far. Like, would you tell kids raising money for their high school basketball teams on the subway who are selling Twixes and shit not to do that? That's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you're you you you're again like, but it's definitely illegal what right, they do but I feel like it occupies that realm of things where it's like kind of not hurt like and this it's, is it's a, that's not, not that's hurting. not the same example because who's going to shut them down Twix I mean the MTA will shut them down because it's illegal yeah. if they get caught the MTA will totally shut them down right but, but Krispy Kreme is big it's not that far off Twix being like hey don't sell our product on the subway yeah yeah Twix could do it too I guess but they're they're selling like a grab bag of stuff they mm-hmm. buy it from Costco I don't know but Krispy Kreme is very much like he's basically becoming a franchisee of Krispy Kreme without paying them at all and without being regulated at all. You can't resell. No. Obviously, legally, you can't resell. I'm just saying this exists in a a realm where it's... uh, Yeah, if if you were eight... (laughs) <laughs> and our Krispy Kreme, I would look the other way. But good on their PR team Have you, he's got for a finding nice a good smile. spin on this. Yeah. He's now a franchisee, yeah. even though I would like to really hear what they plan to do with him. They're yeah. like, just smother him in donuts. <laughs> Lock him into his room with donuts. <laughs> Huge news in the hard seltzer world, which uh-huh. is obviously our beat now at yep. this point. Eater's Digest. It didn't is, go away after the summer? No. no hard I seltzer mean, is here to stay. If I'm still drinking you know, them, we're still covering them. Came over to a dinner party yeah. I was hosting, and With they White brought Claw? no a different like some off brand of hard seltzer. The did thing I tell, is, did the, I tell you this quickly? We had just, just met. Oh, that is ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you. Do they know who you are? <laughs> no, ah, they that's don't. So, who was it? A local neighborhood, new neighborhood a neighbor, person? Yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Which like some like a twelve pack? I don't. Yeah. Were they like here? I bought you something. I haven't been over yet. It's they, truly seltzer. Like, Thanks for having it's us. The variety and it's a pack. Case of- 
yeah, seltzer. Wow. Hard seltzer. Don't you love that though? Because you know, it's good to hang out with people who who just live, who just do exactly what they think they should do. That's true. You it know? is nice to diversify your crew of friends. Absolutely. And now I will re-gift that and next time a stranger pair me up with them. I'll take the hard want, seltzer. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll send over one of my friends who comes to a party where we're playing beer pong with like a, a, a you know a nineteen ninety nine crew or whatever. Okay. Yeah, okay, we'll cool. trade. I see. Yeah, great. we all have this in our lives. Yeah. Anyway, we do continue. What hard, were we talking about? Seltzer, Just hard, the hard seltzer beat. Yeah. So who's your favorite of your new neighbors? All right. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard seltzer beat. So Four Loco announced uh, over the summer that, mm-hmm. that they were coming out with a hard, seller, a hard seltzer in typical Four Loco fashion, absurdly high alcohol percentage, yep. coming in at 14%. They've adjusted it to, down to 12. Okay. Um, and it, normal hard seltzer is like four or five. Four or five. Yep. Yeah. It was meant to be released next year um, until... According to an executive, uh, Jason Freeman, the social media post about the drink went viral. When we first, quote, when we first posted about it on Four Loco social channels, we had no idea the response would be as massive as it was. Uh, Freeman says they're releasing it early to give customers what they want. Wow. Yeah. More likely they're like, we got to ride this wave. Get in. While we can. It's hot. Yeah, because next summer it's going to be something else. I just love... I mean, I love when they have a press release, like as if he's doing the customers, it's like a favor yeah. at all. It, and it's yeah. like, why? That's how capitalism works. Are you excited? Like, will you bring four loco seltzers over to your neighbor's house? My neighbor's house, yes. House? Obviously. Yeah. Of course I will. For a party? <laughs> <laughs> Does it? Is it crazy to you that four loco is back like what as what was four loco and for those who don't remember four loco was the the al- the can- giant can thing with a whole bunch of caffeine mm-hmm. like Energy three glasses of drink. wine and two red bulls is what they said it was Ugh. the equivalent of and it was like killing people on college campuses but you were obviously at your post at eater.com when four loco was uh was was a thing god is that right yeah yeah yep. what is it what did what what did you have to say about it at the time was it just i don't remember reporting on it all that much yeah i remember a lot of friends drinking it at parties though yeah so I did you drink a lot of it? You still have some like in the original uh, case or something? It got when it was banned. I found some in a convenience sp- at a convenience store and bought thirty cases of it, and wheeled them home on the bell cart from my building. And what was going through your head at that time? I'm a collector, you know, of Americana paraphernalia, huh. especially if it's food and beverage related or party related. So this was pretty much this was a fastball for me. This was a no-brainer. So, yeah. What, like, where is it now? It's gone. Okay. When I left my current okay. apartment at the final closeout party. Just now? Books, Just this year? Yeah. Wow. But I will tell you what really- 30 cases? Three zero well, cases? W- it was slowly over time okay. we were going through them. Dipping through it. It yeah. would always be like, is tonight a four loco night? You know? Wow. But- um. Can I? It was frustrating though because at this party I would walk around and people were just like casually drinking one because there were so many people there that I couldn't police them and I'd really police them. Like there were people that would come over at one point when I first got them and I was like, these are going to be worth so much. So no. Did I, you ever really think that? I kind of wanted to like drink one on my wedding day, you know? Wow. Yeah. Really? I, well, or like if I ever went to a fish concert, like would have been cool to have a Four loco, you know? Now I can never do that, but 
it's all right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm a, so excited for the listener mail we're gonna get yeah, it's after fine. this. But it's it's just fun. It was it was frustrating to see because like when there is a certain amount of people there and the, the, the cases were up there, like no one's just gonna go grab one. But because we were closing out, my mm-hmm. roommate threw all of them in the fridge, so they were just like up for grabs. And I didn't catch it till too late, so I was just oh. walking around the party, seeing these people drinking original and four locos, out, and just being like, "Do you do you know what you're drinking right now? Wow, like, do you that know? must have been so fun." Frustrating. <laughs> Terrible. Just of you going up to every person. So Excuse many... me. Do you know how valuable this is? Yeah. Well, to me personally. Yeah. Not market value. Uh, just emotionally. I'm to actually me. not quite as neurotic IRL <laughs> as I am sitting in this seat. But also they were scald as shit. Like they were disgusting because they'd been through thro- so many hot New York summers. Yes, it's not when... something that should keep. No. So I take pleasure in the fact that those whoever those Four loco thieves are all going to be not, BPA'd to shit. Their kids are going to be warped. It's going to be thieves. fine. Your roommate put them in the <laughs> fridge. You invited them over your house and poisoned them. Anyway, so I'm excited for these to go banned so I can uh, buy a bunch and then have another thing to get extremely obsessive about for no wow. reason. There's a trend piece I read on Eater this week that I want to tell you about, Daniels, because I want I want to get your take. Okay. So tap rooms are a big thing in Seattle now, tap rooms that are not selling beer. Mm-hmm. So maybe this will be a trend everywhere soon, but in Seattle, it's a big deal. There's a tap room for CBD sodas. There's a tap room for hard seltzers. There's a tap room for kombucha. At all these places, they make the product on site, and then you go there, you drink it from a tap, you hang out with your friends. Sure. What, would you go? Or would it be too embarrassing? Uh, what? <laughs> Would it be too embarrassing for you to find yourself at a hard seltzer tap room because it would be too embarrassing for me? Why? Yeah, see, this to be is... at a hard <laughs> seltzer tap room. So, okay, why are they? It call seems it... so silly. Do you think a beer hall is silly? No. What's the difference? I don't know. You really don't <laughs> know at all. I think is wine not like? Would you go to a natural wine room that with a bunch of natural on wines a winery? On tap? Yeah. Like at a at a sure. winery, you drink the wine. It's it's about the idea of drinking the thing where it's made. Hard seltzer just seems like such a s- silly product to me that I can't take it seriously. Whereas hard uh, seltzer is the dumbest one because there's no there's no like craft brewing going on. No. But with with cider, I think there's there's I think with cider or kombucha, I could kind of I could I could get there. I think that society is not ready to CBD soda though. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I just don't think we need to call these tap rooms. Why don't we just call it like a CBD soda bar? Sure, I guess. I think the difference is that it's made there, so they call themselves tap rooms. The thing that I think is the most, all right, I figured this out, maybe, hopefully. Uh-huh. The thing that's silly about this is CBD soda or hard seltzer, the base of the hard seltzer is always exactly the same. Yeah. It's just a flavoring. Yeah. There's no reason to have different taps. Like the reason you have a tap Mm-mm. at a beer hall or even a like cider like a soda hall, gun. Yeah, you just need it. Like it could just be one giant tap and then they come around with a little droplet thing. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> oh, sir, what are you having? Oh, you're having this? Like drop, drop, drop. <laughs> just like like crystal light packets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just open the thing, pour in the powder. The core competency of a tap room for beer is that it's getting you your beer directly from the source. Like yeah. each tap is as close to the source as you can get. I guess if you want to be obnoxious and have like 20 kinds of ciders, then like that makes sense as well. Yeah. But something where there's just an additive makes zero sense and is just 
like a gimmick. At that point, it's just a gimmick. Here's the takeaway. Gimmicks suck. You just need to be able to prove that there is some inherent value. And uh, But having said that, like, where, again, did you say the hard seltzer? <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. Seattle. If you want to start a Brooklyn one, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said. No, there's nothing to be said. Like a there's vo- nothing. A vodka no. soda bar or something would be... Sure, a bar. <laughs> it's just a it's bar. The, the, the tap room thing is the issue. Okay. I mean, there's a tap room. Uh, there's a cider. Brooklyn Cider House mm-hmm. is a cider tap room in Brooklyn, which uh, which you would know by the name Brooklyn Cider House, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, um, the fellas have been known to go there and do this thing where you get food and then between each course, you get a 15-minute window to drink infinite cider from one tap. Each team gets one tap, and then you just get, like, one glass. Team? Yeah, it's however many people you go, and you just, like, chug, and, like, you can only pour as much as you can pour, right? So you all have to work together and chug as fast as you can. I haven't <laughs> taken it. I haven't taken <laughs> part. What is this life? Thank you so much for listening to... Eater's Digest. I sure enjoyed the episode this week. If you like the show, please tell one friend. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, moves, please email us at digest at eater.com. Big thanks to James Park, Hillary Dixler Canavan, Sonia Chopra, Megan McCarran, our producer Martha Daniel. Mm. Yeah, that's all the people. And thank on- you to you, Dan, ah. as always. For showing up. Yeah, I was on time, and I came, and I was present and open, and I was, you know, we laughed, and we uh, got a little emotional, but um, uh, at the end of the day, we put an episode together, and uh, you know what? That's really all you can ask for from this two-hour session. We sure did. See you next week.